a lot of people are like entitled to think that they should automatically just be given that Mm -hmm. and they get like really angry when they don't you know or they're not automatically promoted or they're not automatically wake up with like a million followers and it's like oh my god why not Mm -hmm. but it doesn't work like that welcome to the power hour the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success i'm adrienne herbert international speaker fitness coach Adidas Global Ambassador and Entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers, and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines, and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, The Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. My guest today is an Egyptian-born, London-raised freelance journalist. She holds a BA in sociology and psychology, as well as a master's in journalism. Her work has been published in The Telegraph, Grazia, Refinery29, The Washington Post, and many more, providing a unique take on social commentary fashion and lifestyle. She has collaborated with brands such as Nike and ASOS. She has been a guest on BBC Radio 4 Woman's Hour, BBC Radio 1 and BBC Radio 1 Extra. She is a representative voice for both her generation and for multicultural women everywhere. Her first book, The Greater Freedom, Life as a Middle Eastern Woman Outside the Stereotypes, is out later this year in September. Welcome to the studio, Alia Moro. Hey, oh my God, hey. it's, it's so crazy to hear your bio read, like your intro like that. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so happy. So, so happy that you could come in today. I feel like the next few months are going to be mega busy for you. It's so exciting. They are. I'm so excited. It's been, it's such a weird kind of start of the year because last year I just basically was sitting alone by myself the whole year writing the book. So it's so cool to kind of just be doing the complete opposite of that. It's almost weird how you just go from one to the other. Yeah. So today I want to talk to you about so many things. I want to talk about your journey so far, your new book. I also want to talk about the ever-changing landscape of journalism, fashion and beauty, representation and social media. Yeah. So many things. Are you ready? Let's do this. Okay. So first up, for anyone listening who doesn't know much about who you are and what you do, can you take us back? Take us back and talk us through your journey so far. So as you so eloquently put it, I'm a journalist. I've also got a blog that I've been running alongside um, probably for about the last 10 years now. As most sort of writers will say, I've been a writer since I was like born, basically since I could pick up a pen. It was always sort of a way to kind of explain to myself what I was feeling, what I was thinking to kind of get to the root of all the like random things that as a teenager, especially you're like, oh my God, this is the end of the world. And I'd write it out and I'd be like, oh, okay, it's fine. Actually, I can make sense of this to myself. Um, So it all started like that. And then as I got a bit older, I finished university. I did a BA, like you said, in sociology and psychology. And then I was like, what do I want to even do? Like, I didn't really know. So I started out doing a few internships. Um, I did a lot of music journalism at the beginning where I'd interview a lot of really cool artists. I actually ad- interviewed Ed Sheeran before he was Ed Sheeran mm-hmm. um, and a lot of other really cool people. And then from there, I sort of 
did a few internships, was blogging alongside. And as I kind of gained more confidence, I guess, in what I wanted to say and in my ability to say it, I started to tackle more and more kind of social commentary topics, I guess, in terms of representation, in terms of, you know, starting to feel the need to kind of talk about things that I didn't feel were adequately spoken about or, you know, my experience as a Middle Eastern woman, that sort of became increasingly important to talk about because I just felt like the the stereotypes were so narrow that, you know, there wasn't anyone that I felt spoke for me. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm just going to speak for myself then. Um, so it's been a real, yeah, it's been a real journey. It's been exciting. Amazing. And when you said then, you know, after uni, when you did these internships and when you first started working, how did you, yeah, I guess, how did you navigate that? Like, did you have to, cause I think this thing we'll talk about later, but with creatives, like, did you have to do work for free? Did you, you know, how did you get jobs, I guess, to start with? There was a lot of working for free at the beginning. Um, and there was a lot of sort of putting myself out there. I think I was quite lucky in that I was, you know, still young. So like my dad was help, happy to help me when I was much younger in terms of like giving me that room to do that. Mm. Um, so I did do a lot of work for free and it was also a lot of putting myself out there. So I think a lot of it was sort of emailing people and reaching out on social media and being told no so many times, but kind of just persisting anyways. Mm. So I remember I got an internship at Gratia, which turned into like I, I was there for months basically and then they started to pay me and then through there I met so many people and I went on so many press trips but the way that I got that is the digital editor there I was like a fan of hers and like I followed her on social media and I saw that she was giving a talk so I went to the talk I like cornered her after like oh my god I love you whatever we I didn't really say that I had, had a <laughs> bit of, cool. <laughs> yeah, I played it cool um followed up on social media the following day she had an internship that started the next week so I was there and I just did everything and I tried my best and I was always like happy and smiling and you know, just like, can you, can you do this? Sure, no problem. Are you free to go to Morocco next week? We can't pay you, it's with UG. Sure, let's do this, you know? Um, so that kind of spiraled into just all these contacts, all this experience that was able to translate, I guess, into just figuring that. things out a bit yeah. more. <laughs> I love that. I love what you're saying there, you know, putting yourself out there and being enthusiastic, as you said, you know, you were proactive, you followed her online, went to the event, introduced yourself. And I guess that does take a level of confidence to go up at the end and be like, hi, I want, you know, but I think so many people, when they say they don't know where to start or they say they've been trying for so long and often, you know, that can be true, but also it's, you know, you have to be bold. You have to just be in the room. I agree. and when i say that i used that i do i still do all of these things and i'm never confident while doing it like i'm always still scared but i'm like well if i don't do it then nothing's gonna come out of this you know so it's not to say that i like boldly go up to someone after or like boldly email someone or boldly tweet someone it's never boldly mm. it's just doing it because yeah. the alternative is not mm -hmm. and that yeah. sucks yeah exactly. <laughs> and no one will know exactly no one will know who you are or what you have to offer the world or what you could do if you don't i guess go and knock on the door no one's going to come to you necessarily knock on your door and go hey do you want to come and be an intern exactly you know? that or with anything like even with my book deal so i've i'm one of uh, amazon's first um uk non-fiction signees for their publishing imprint called little a 
And that was a whole process to get. It wasn't like, oh, hey, Alia, we've seen you, you know? It wasn't yeah. at all like that. Like I made spreadsheets of agents and I looked into like, what do they like? What kind of what books do they like to work on? I followed them all on Twitter. I like tr made friends, oh, what restaurant shall we go to? Oh, this is a good recommendation. Like I kind of just inserted myself into like yeah. all these people's lives kind of thing. Yeah and then emailed loads like most people said no like most some people just didn't get the book at all of what i wanted to say eventually i found an amazing agent who's incredible and she really understood and then that was still not even the beginning of the journey then we had to kind of put together a whole book proposal which we then sent to like loads of publishers and yeah. you know it's it's never straightforward yeah. and it's I, hustle she's been hustling yeah <laughs> i love it so let's talk about this book because well firstly congratulations thank you Alia, you are now officially an author oh my god <laughs> <laughs> so i'd like to know why did you write this book and who did you write it for? Honestly, selfishly in a way, I kind of wrote it for my younger self um, and all the sort of people like me, I guess, who just never felt like they were able to kind of have these conversations. The title of the book is The Greater Freedom. Mm -hmm. And for me, the kind of main point, I think, that I'm trying to get across and the main way that I try to live my life and that I just try and be is to be free to be whoever I want to be away from sort of expectations or stereotypes or pressure that I might even put on myself, let alone what the, my culture or what the outside world or whatever might put on me. Um, so that's been very important. And that's why I wrote the book. And that's ultimately who I wrote it for, for everyone to be free to be whoever they want to be. That's wonderful. I can't wait to read it. Oh gosh. So something that I've heard you talk about online is this idea of the overnight success. And already from what you're saying, you know, I, I feel like I'm preempting what you're going to say, but I've seen you talk very passionately about it once on Instagram stories. Yes. And I was just watching going, yes, yes to all of this. <laughs> so why do you think that our generation celebrates this idea and does it even exist? No, I don't think it exists. And I think what was what I found really interesting, actually, my biggest take home from the Fire Festival documentary, which oh my gosh. I think everyone has seen by now, yeah. is it actually really annoyed me because I was like, OK, Billy, so you've managed to sell 95% of the tickets in the first day, which is unheard of. Mm. You've managed to get like the biggest Instagram people, like models, whatever, you've done all of this, you've got the money actually, because you've yeah. managed to, to raise it from all these investors. But you, what How could heck? it go wrong? Literally, what could possibly go wrong? But that's <laughs> it. That, and that is answering your question, I yeah. think, is that he almost thought that he had done the hard work already, mm. you know? Whereas actually that was where the hard work needed to start. Yes. Okay, so you've got everything. Now you need to just organize it properly. Now you need to like just deliver on what you've said basically do the work do the work mm. you know and i think that that's where we've gone wrong a little bit or that's where people go wrong is in thinking that there is an overnight success or in thinking that the end result is you know like he had the video so he thought that he had done it almost mm. but that's just not how it works mm. Um, so yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, of course. <laughs> and I think when, yeah, exactly. I, oh my gosh, that 
that documentary is like a whole nother thing. Like I felt anxious watching oh it. My God. Did you feel anxious? I was Honestly, like, I wanted to go to that festival. So I was like, oh my God, imagine that was me. <laughs> You're like, come on, put, get it together. Yeah. But yeah, I think with the overnight success thing, I think often people just, as you were saying then about the end results, people see that and then they assume that it came quick. You know what I mean? That's so they'll go, oh wow, this person, they've got this book out or this person got this presenting job or this person, whatever. But they don't see the 10 years of prep or like you said, the, the free job or they don't see the person who was actually sending out emails every single day that didn't get replies or got no's and it just kept on banging the drum. But when they finally do get it, everyone's like, oh, she came out of nowhere. Like she's just this overnight success. And it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't exist. But I think like I have two things I want to say in response to that. One, I feel like that's why it's really important. And I do try to kind of show the process as well and the mm. ups and downs. Like even the other day I was like, oh, I'm feeling really anxious about um, sort of coming back to like my normal life or my new normal or whatever. And someone messaged me being like, oh, well, lucky you that this, you know, like I have to wake up every day and my, bo and my boss sucks. And I was like, well, babes, I'm really sorry for you. Like th that sucks, but like, that's not, I should, I need to also be saying all that sometimes I'm not happy or that mm. it's not all just like, woo, yay. I, like I, sh I post about the good stuff. Mm. So I have to also post about the things or the awkward feelings or the, the other side of things. I find that very important. Um, but also I feel like what's really weird as well and maybe it's partly in reaction to the fact that most people just kind of see the end result is that a lot of people are like entitled to think that they should automatically just be given that mm -hmm. and they get like really angry when they don't you know or they're not automatically promoted or they're not automatically wake up with like a million followers and it's like oh my god why not mm. but it doesn't work like that yep you know yeah and even if you do have that following you know some people i think that entitled thing it's like well they assume because they have this audience well i should be able to get this job or get this book deal or do whatever i want to do because look at me i have this audience and the two yeah i guess they don't necessarily always go hand in hand no we're not owed anything in life nothing mm. not happiness not health not hard not success nothing like you either work for it or that's it basically yeah Oh, I love that. <laughs> so on the topic of social media these days, I guess journalism has been democratized uh, with Twitter and all these other things. And people are now making millions of pounds documenting their own lives on YouTube. And we all spend way more time than I think we'd like to admit scrolling on Instagram. Um, so how has social media impacted your work? Honestly, so much. Like I can't even imagine where I would be now if I didn't have social media. And I think that's because of the way that I've used it in terms of networking with people. And, you know, you, even we've been like friends on social media for so long, like mm -hmm. we met in real life, I think. And then we kind of, yeah. and now I feel like, oh, we're homies, yeah, you know? Exactly. Even though we're probably <laughs> having seen about biscotti spread. Yeah, yes. but, it's, but it's true, you know? And I feel like, yeah, I think it can, it can be really useful in terms of making the world feel a lot smaller um and helping to promote your work of course it's like a visual cv i think the other side of this obviously is that we can obviously get sucked in mm. and spend too long so i've been personally trying to do a few things to limit my my use like i've downloaded this app called um 
stay focused, which like calls me out when I've spent too long. Like if I've been on my phone, I think I've said it to Instagram, like I can spend 15 or 20 minutes on it in a go. Yeah. And then if I spend more than that, it's like, don't you want to go for a walk outside? <laughs> like, don't you have anything better to do? And I'm like, yeah, actually I do, yeah. you know? Yeah. So things like that, I think, or not checking it first thing in the morning has been a game changer for me. Like I leave my phone in the other room now. Mm. Um, Things like that. But yeah, social media is amazing. I think it's getting a bad rep. Mm. It's just about how you use it, just like everything else. Yep, good and bad and everything, right? And as you just said then, when you mentioned about like a visual CV, how have you found that in terms of, you know, when you said about promoting your work? So for you, it's promoting your work. Often people call it self-promotion and they'll say, oh, British people are bad at self-promotion or especially women are. And then if you're good at it, I feel like sometimes there's kind of like shame in that. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you're shameless plugging or, you know, just kind of putting yourself out online and promoting yourself i believe that as you said these these platforms they're all there we can all get in the room we can all have a voice we can all you know slide in the dms and book a guest to come on your podcast which is what i do but i also think yeah some people say to me they find that difficult they're like oh i can't i can't you know just promote myself online yeah i hear that like even actually a friend of mine the other day posted a selfie and i was like oh my god you look amazing and she was like thanks like i've just started to feel comfortable to post selfies because i always thought that people were gonna think that i just like loved myself and i'm like babe there's nothing wrong with loving yourself you have to love yourself why wouldn't you Mm. you know and obviously i think and then she actually had a really interesting response where she was like yeah i think i'm starting to understand that you can love yourself and obviously obviously love other people too it's not one or the other you know and I think, yeah, that's ultimately what it, what it is. I think if it makes you feel uncomfortable to promote yourself, then also promote other people. Maybe that will make you feel a little bit less awkward about it. So it's not all just like me, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. But you have to. If you don't do it, who's going to do it for you? Hear it, people. <laughs> Hear it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Actually, as I said, I love your tweets. And obviously we talk on Twitter. I have a few of your tweets here, Uh which I would like to talk (laughs) about. Don't worry, that I'd like to talk to you about. So the first one is, it's a photo. It's a, it's not, yeah, it's a selfie, a mirror selfie. And it says, I'm not actually sure why it took me 29 years to start loving my curls. Yes. Alia, talk to me about the curls. Well, I have a whole chapter in my book about um, appearance. Mm -hmm. And in Middle Eastern culture, it's very you're told all the time like you have to have a blow dry like my mom has given me hell my whole (laughs) life about my curls basically and like when I was younger she'd be like oh my god you have to she'd like force me for hours she'd be blow drying my hair on a Sunday night before I went to school like if ever I had my hair curly she'd be like you look so messy like what is this like mankusha in Arabic which means like messy basically and it's just been, yeah, it's a very big part of Middle Eastern culture, basically, where we're supposed to like look well-groomed and mm-hmm. that's a big part of it. Um, so while I was writing my book, I have, like I said, a whole chapter on appearance. So I 
just did so much research into this and I just realized that I had been brainwashed mm. into thinking that they weren't nice, you yeah. know? Conditioned, yeah. Yeah, like why Why did I hate them? Like, I don't know. So in doing all this research, in kind of figuring out that actually it's also, obviously, yeah, I've been conditioned to have an ideal of beauty, which I don't have anymore. So that's number one. But number two, I wasn't using the right products okay. for my hair, yeah. you know? Like I'd go, I'd buy something random off the shelf in Boots, which was not designed with my curly hair in mind, basically. Mm -hmm. So of course it's not going to make my curls look nice. Of course it's going to be frizzy or whatever, because I'm just using random things. Yeah. So now I've been to putting a lot more care into, you know, using the right shampoo, using the right conditioner, like putting mousse in my hair. Like I just thought I was going to get out of the shower and it was going <laughs> to all done. be fine. But that's not how it works, you know. It's trial and error. I feel like curly girls around the world, all different. Obviously, we've got different kinds of curls, yeah. you know, different curl patterns, different textures, different, you know, um, whatever. Afro hair, all these different kinds of curls. And you definitely have to, like, figure out what works for your curls, how you're going to style it, what products exactly. It's a whole, like, it's a whole thing. Exactly. And, like, not to say that I'll never have a blow dry ever again like I do like to also have that look but it's about having the choice I think yeah. not I like literally wouldn't leave my house basically if I was my hair was curly. yeah like, I remember you told me that once it's ridiculous. Like, it looks great because you were I think it was in the summer and you had your hair curly yeah. you're like I'm just like trying it out and yeah well I'm glad you're embracing it it's gorgeous I am I'm really enjoying it actually okay the second tweet that I've picked out a little bit different but it says Diversity at all levels of every industry is imperative. It's not quite enough to tokenize people of color to fill quotas. Yep, 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 yep. For mm. I think it's a lot, and this was again part of the reason why I wanted to write the book and part of the reason why I just felt like it was so important because it's a lot easier to be yourself if you can see yourself. And that's number one. Yeah. Number two is if we do have diversity at all different levels, then there's it's far less likely that silly mistakes are going to be made. Mm -hmm. So that tweet, I think, was in response to um, someone's name, someone's name, Noor Taguri, mm -hmm. who and she had been she had a feature in Vogue, which was amazing and obviously like a dream come true for her. Mm -hmm. And they called her something else. They, they said that she like they basically said that she was a whole other human. And she was obviously heartbroken and she she what a buzzkill. Yeah, that mistake. How did that happen? Yeah. And that was, I think, personally because there wasn't enough people internally to sort of make the checks and there's actually this thing that I came across when doing research for my book as well called the other race syndrome which is crazy and it basically it's scientifically proven that people of one race are less likely or less able to be able to differentiate between people of another race which is so true like that doesn't actually shock me at all well it happens all the time doesn't yeah. it People are just like, oh, you know, she's like, um, for, uh, she's like black or she's like, they kind of, not even that. They would say like, she, you know, when it comes to things like um, Asian or, or Egyptian or, you know, all these different places and cultures and people just kind of club it all in one. Yeah. They're just like, oh, it's just, you know, other, that box. Which I find ridiculous. <laughs> or yeah. minority. And I'm like, really? But I, okay. Well, <laughs> Millions of people. Yeah, fine. That's quite a big minority. But also, like, for example, how they confuse Stormzy and how do you say his name? Lukaku. Yeah. They kept, you know, it's things like that. And it's just like, oh, my God, guys. You AJ know? was saying that she's had that before with Clara Ampho. People are literally like, you know, because they're both black. That's and ridiculous. They're both, I don't know, presenters. So it's like, oh, you, you must be Clara. And she's like, oh, my gosh. But that's another reason why it's so important to have people from all different cultures, from all just 
diversity everywhere, basically, because what the hell? Yeah, yeah, okay, and one more. <laughs> this one I absolutely love. This was um, the morning a week before your deadline for your book, and it says, like I've been growing a child inside me and they're about to burst out any minute and they'll never be inside me again. Like I'll never be this person again. Like so many things, so many feels. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That needs to be on the back of your book. Oh my <laughs> I love God. it. I just think it's so, obviously tweets are so short, but it's so raw and descriptive and yeah. just kind of visual. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I try, yeah. I'm a big believer that everything is temporary. I've mm -hmm. actually got the word temporary tattooed on my foot um, to try like remind myself of that. And it, it's kind of ironic because the tattoo ain't temporary. Well, a lot of it, everyone's like, oh, and I'm like, actually when I, anyway, I'm not gonna go there, it's quite dark. But I'm like, when I die, it will, it will be. Yeah. It will like disintegrate. Anyways, I feel like even when I was writing the book, it was such an intense process. And I literally, I've never done anything like it in my life. Like it was so intense. And I tried and I, I managed to just enjoy it because I was like, it's temporary. Like I might miss this. Yeah. Like I'm never gonna be doing this ever again. And I think that's maybe what I was partly trying to get across in that tweet. Like I might write another book again, but it will never be my first book. It will yep. never be this intense. Like, especially for this book, I kind of went through my life so far. You know, I was like, when I was 12, like this happened. Like, <laughs> why did that happen? Why did I feel like that? Why I interviewed my parents. Like, how come you told me this when I was 15? You know, like it was wow. really a, a, a like transformative experience. So I'm, I was kind of just like, yeah, let me just embrace this and enjoy it because it's never gonna come back, basically. Mm, I really, really like that. I think this temporary thing, as you said, even everything good or bad in your life, every experience, everything is temporary. And as you said, if you can kind of be aware of that, cause you know, I'm very, you know, aware of the concept of time. Mm -hmm. If you can be aware of that, then surely you can only enjoy things more because you know that, say for example, you know, when you're like, you having like the, I have a friend and she looks forward to things. So say for example, she's booked a trip. She's like counting down the days to this trip because she's like, it's cold here. I can't wait to be in the sun. I'm on this trip. But then when she's on the trip, it's almost like then she's like, I don't know, like she doesn't want the trip to end. It's like, I'm counting down the days. We've only got five days left. I'm sad already. And it's like, you know, now that you're on the thing that you were looking forward to, now you're already sad that it's gonna end. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's such a weird thing of like, how can we, you know, be present and enjoy things? But as you just said, even in a process that's difficult, not just in like the Kodak moment, the good moments, even in the process that's difficult, being aware that it's not gonna last forever. And it's so important, I think. I think so many times, like Monday, it's like, oh, I can't wait for the weekend. And it's like, dude, it's Monday. You have five days. You're gonna make all those five days like irrelevant. Mm. Why would you do that? Mm. Yeah, you know? I think that's the, that's the case with parenthood too. Cause often people will say, you know, it is difficult, you know, the first days or the first months or whatever. And they'll say, you know, oh, I'm so tired. Like, you know, they kind of kind of wait for them to be older or can't wait for them to sleep more. Or even when they're one, it's like, can't wait for them to walk or can't wait for, and now like my son, oh my goodness. It just, I could get tears in my eyes. It blows my mind that I can't go back. Yeah. I can't go back to him being six months. He's seven. Yeah. Oh my, gosh. my God. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I feel like kids are the most thing that make you realize the passage of time though as well. So much. It's actually mad. Like I said, even just the thought of it, if I contemplate it for like a minute, I will have tears in my yeah. eyes. Cause I'm just like, you can't slow it down. But that's why it's so important to just like try and embrace every moment. Like as cheesy as that sounds, like you really do have to just make the best of all, all every day. All right, so we're gonna talk about the power hour. So 
I don't know how much you know about my power hour, but it's early in the morning. That's when I do my best work. It's when I'm the most productive. And it's not just me. Apparently there are some studies that support me in my claims that there's lots of benefits for early rising. So Alia, are you an early riser? I'm not as early of a riser as you are, but I, I wake up every day at seven. I've, um, it's, it's taken a few years to kind of hone this routine into as good as it could be. And when I, again, when I was writing my book, I had to because it was just the only thing that kept me sane. But um, I have a Lumi, which is like my favorite thing of all time, which like wakes me up with light. Mm -hmm. So it wakes me up at seven. And then I, um, I have my, like I have a gratitude diary that I write in every single morning. Yep. So it's like three, three things to be grateful for, three ways to make today amazing, a, day, and a daily affirmation. And then at night I fill it out as well before I sleep. And it says um, three amazing things that happened today and one way I could have made today better. So that's like the first, first thing I do in the morning. I, I leave my foot in the other room, so I, I don't check it for the first hour of my, of my day. And then I read for 40 minutes every single morning, basically, before I do anything else. Okay, and that's a conscious choice, that's a discipline, every day, 40 minutes Every day, reading. 40 minutes reading. Wow. Like, if I need to be out the house early, I'll wake up earlier so that I can read. I love that. I love that. And I'm always, I've said this to you, I love how much you read. I feel like that's something that I just put on a pedestal. People that read and just consume books, books, books. I'm like, you're learning so much. And it's amazing. Well, I think as a writer as well, you have to read. You, you can't be a writer and not read. Impossible. Impossible. Just like the words that you, like just the sentence structure, just like there's so many things. Uh, reading for me has always been such an escape and even when i was much younger i didn't really have friends i used to just like the librarian was my best friend when i first moved to oh. london and i would just like <laughs> sit and read with her in the library um and it's always been really important for me so I, I feel like it makes a really big difference and i'm lucky i live alone like i don't have anyone in my house you know at all or in my phone's in the other room so for me to give the first hour of my day to myself is the most rewarding thing I've ever done because then by the time I pick up my phone, by the time I'm like, okay, what, what, what my, all the emails and the tweets and humans, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I've already given myself something. So now my cup runneth over, you know? Yes, I love that. <laughs> and I think, you know, when you just said about later on in the day, there's going to be stuff coming in, coming at you. So as a creative person, when you were writing this book, and I guess just in everything you do, like when you're writing blogs or whatever, how do you... I guess kind of create your own ideas on things and your own thoughts and feelings. Cause I guess we're now all kind of infiltrated all the time with other people's media and other people's ideas on stuff. Yeah, I, I'm a big believer in that actually there isn't really any original ideas. It's all kind of spins on things and it's just your take and no one can be you basically. So even if I was to try and do this podcast, for example, it would be completely different how what I would do than how you would do it. Um, so I think that's something to bear in mind as well. It is just about separating yourself as much as possible, like not, for example, not checking your phone first thing in the morning or last thing at night, because I feel like those are actually the most important times of our day mm -hmm. in terms of content consumption. Um, I also do like loads of random things. Like I have, I do this Pomodoro technique or like my version of it, which is where I set an alarm for 40 minutes and I don't do anything else other than what I'm doing for those 40 minutes. So like, I'm not allowed to like check Facebook or like go on Twitter or like have a cheeky scroll, you know? Mm -hmm. Can't do any of that. I don't even go to the bathroom. Like if Focus I need to pee in those 40 minutes, too bad. Um, and then I'll have like, yeah, 10, 15 minutes where I can whatever, do all of those things. And I feel like just 
doing that and increasing your ability to focus for that time is has been a real game changer actually as well i definitely need to try that alia i need to try that because i'm a very easily distracted person and i feel like now there's constant distraction from the world so it's easy to kind of excuse yourself because you're like oh it's not my fault this person needs me to send them this whatsapp or this person needs but as you said 40 minutes it's not that long it's not gonna end it's really not and i read something i think that said that if even if your phone is next to you or it vibrates and you don't check it i think i don't want to misquote the stat but i think it's like it takes 12 minutes basically to come back to what you were doing which is insane like imagine every two minutes you check your phone and then you're distracted for 12 like what are are you even doing anything now yeah you know exactly yeah i need that and i guess because it says in the title of your book the word stereotype and i know we've talked about this with creatives something that i read actually is well there's loads of stereotype things about creative people so do you agree with any of these statements i've read creative people lack structure creative people are unorganized creative people are broke and they have to work for free whatever you're doing obviously it's working for you you've just created a whole book so what do you think i think obviously it depends but i think creative people who everyone works differently and everyone is able to do different things like i have a friend who's one of the most creative people i know who it's completely different to me. So I wake up at seven and I have my 40 minute slots and, you know, and then I able, I'm able to like live my life after because I've done that and I've made the structure for myself. She's the complete opposite. She doesn't sleep. She works all day, but she's amazing and she has amazing output. So good for her. Do you mm. know what I mean? I feel like everyone can just do whatever works for them ultimately. And that's fine too. But I think to pigeonhole everyone and to say that creative people are broke and have no structure and, and, and are just like unorganized like messy do you know what i mean that's not fair either because but then i think some creative people kind of use that as a get out pass because they're like i'm creative that's not my fault you know yeah i I can't get my stuff together no i hear that i i think whatever works for you but like let's not lie about what work is Mm -hmm. either do you know what i mean to ourselves yeah exactly i'm like i just need a snack i just need to it's like no adrian just get on with your work well i think the flip side as well is that it's it's creativity is romanticized so much to think like for example that girl who tweeted me oh my god I feel really bad I feel like I've got like really annoyed about this because I even went on like a whole thing on my Instagram stories about it like that's not fair but I feel like yeah it's been romanticized so much to think that oh well if you're a creative or if you do a creative job then everything is amazing and nothing can ever be wrong and you should never have any complaints and that's not Mm. true either and your feelings are valid so as you said you know if you feel anxious about something or if you're tired about something or you know that's that's your experience i feel like there's a lot of yeah funny stereotypes around creativity and and none are none are particularly all the way valid ever Mm, okay so that brings me on to the power hour challenge so i ask my guest to give the listeners something each week that they could try so sometimes it's something to improve themselves or improve their lives or to just get inspired so for any creatives listening what advice would you give them or something we could try this week I would say, so there's this thing that I read, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's basically you, first thing in the morning, you take a piece of paper and you just write, you just fill the whole page with whatever is the first thing that comes to your head, basically, and you don't stop until you get to the end of the page. And it's something that that I've been doing actually for a while, and it's amazing to see what comes up. And I feel like it almost purges you of all the like random weird feelings or like random, you know, like it helps you kind of, get to grips with what it is that you think or feel or want to say or want to do that day 
So yeah, maybe just like word vomit onto a page when you wake up. Yeah, <laughs> amazing, give it a go. I'm gonna give it a try and I'm also gonna try your 40 minute, what did you say, it's Pomodoro yeah, technique? Yeah, it's called the Pomodoro technique. Okay, I'm gonna try that as well, awesome. And let us know if you are getting involved and if you are taking on Alia's challenge. So for everyone listening, if they want to uh, read your fabulous tweets and if they want to see more from you, where can they find you online and in real life? Uh, I am Alia Moro everywhere. So A-L-Y-A-M-O-O-R-O.com is my blog at Twitter and Instagram. I'm the same everywhere. So yeah, check, come check me out. Awesome. And the book's out in The book is out in September. When can people pre-order on Amazon? I'll be sharing all the details on Twitter and, well, everywhere. I will literally not be shutting (laughs) up about it. So (laughs) if you follow me, you'll know the deets. Awesome. And my closing question, which I ask to every guest, is all about time. And I'm really grateful that you came in today with your busy schedule. So thank you for giving me your time. Thank you for having me. So I believe that time is the most valuable thing we all have. What is the most valuable thing that time has taught you? That it's temporary, I would say. And to like, just take advantage of it as much as possible and not wish it away ever, regardless of what it is that you're going through. Thanks, Alia. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I really appreciate it, guys. This Power Hour community is growing so quickly and it's just honestly blown me away. So thanks for listening. I appreciate it. See you soon. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.